welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Another Knock On podcast, number 143. It's pretty amazing. Time flies. And uh, I'll tell you one thing we need to be proud of as the Knock On Nation is um, I just got notified that our podcasts have just gone over 4 million downloads on 143 episodes. That's pretty awesome, especially when it's nothing but a guy talking about archery. And, uh, you know, I'm not not having, well, I have friends on. I wouldn't call them celebrities. Uh, I have friends on. So I think it's pretty awesome to be able to do that in our archery community. So I wanted to say thanks to everybody out there. This is an early morning podcast. This is during the whitetail rut, so little disclaimer. One, I'm super tired and worn down. I'm officially 20 pounds lighter than I was on August 24th when I went uh, on my first elk hunt with Andy up in Alberta. So I am run down. Um... I can actually fit in a large shirt right now, which most people that know my size probably think that's probably impossible, but it's true. I'm just worn down, and I feel like this buck that I saw a couple days ago. uh, If you watched the Yeti Insta story, and if you're listening to this, you'll still be able to see it for today. It'll be up for 24 hours, so the whole thing will be on there until 10 o'clock this morning. I did an Insta story for Yeti on my big buck, uh, the big buck day, and I kind of had to rely on them to post it, Um, so it came out a little bit late, and also there's quite a few gaps missing in my story, so I'm just kind of stuck whether or not I should repost everything in a more, um, like, I don't know, the uncut version of everything, uh, I think would be pretty cool. But uh, there was a buck in there that had this big one side and just one big beam coming out the other side. Um, I actually almost, almost decided to take that buck. Um, And the reason being is I'm so thankful for the year that I've had that I really feel like I'm really debating whether I need to shoot another deer. And if I do, I think it should be a cold deer. Um, And I don't know, I've really, I've actually had a hard time pulling the trigger on another deer just because I'm being thankful for the year that I've had. Um, But I still want to be out there and see what's going on. And I am getting worn down. I got a cold coming in. I'm getting worn down and my voice is shot. So This is going to be a raspy podcast. I wanted to just jump in and talk with you about a couple questions I've seen on. um, I wanted to talk about a few questions I've seen on social media that you guys have put in my posts. 
I continue to try to communicate with you through that. Um, I apologize if I can't talk to all of you through that, but I'm going to go through a few things. <clears throat> One of them, there was a few regarding hunting, and I wanted to talk a little bit about hunting and kind of how I make decisions that I make, um, just because there's a lot of you that are probably listening to this podcast in a tree right now, and you're frustrated, and I get it. You know, I've I shot my buck quite a while ago now, I guess 10 days ago I've shot my buck, and since then I haven't had any real opportunities. So, you know, I wanted to just, I guess, give you a little bit of encouragement and let you know that the good time is coming up. The time where you're couple things. One, I really like to, I love to, I love to shoot a deer that isn't one of my local deer. Um, I know that might sound mean to my neighbors, but um, this time of year or this week that's coming up is the time where the bucks are desperate to find one or two more does that are in and they'll start wandering out of their home turf, uh, quite a ways out of that home turf. And you're really this is the time where you're going to, this right now, this next week, and then late season when it's frigid cold and if you have standing grain, those are the two times a year where you're going to shoot a deer that you're not familiar with. It's not going to be one of your deer. And uh, and that's, you know, that's the bummer part. Tree Smasher is officially dead. Um, tree smasher showed up on my place um, the day after I shot my buck and you all saw that rub that I posted Um, I got a picture of the deer that did that and one of my neighbors shot that buck a few days ago Uh, a neighbor very far away too, actually several miles from where my picture was Um, so it just goes to show you you never know how far those bucks are going to range right now And, you know, that should give you hope because if you're sitting in a spot where you don't necessarily see deer, you've made it up to this point. And right now at this point is when you're more likely to see that once in a lifetime buck come walking through. Like I said, I'm battling cold, so I apologize if I got a stuffy nose and draining sinuses. Um, So... I talked the other day about zombie mode. I made a comment that the bucks right now are just in zombie mode. They're walking around. I had a buck come by me uh, two nights ago, right uh, towards last light. And, you know, at first look, I thought he'd been shot in the guts because he was just walking real slow, head was down. Uh, I grunted at him. He stopped. He looked my way. And he kind of just thought about it for a minute, and then he just sunk his head way back down and just started walking real slow again with his head down. His whole back end was very slender and lean. And, you know, it's obvious he's been running and gunning hard, and he is just worn out. He ended up coming around behind me at about 60 yards where I could not get a shot and just literally collapsed to the ground. And he laid there for maybe about 10 or 15 minutes, got up, kind of stood there. I was doing my best to inspect him, make sure he didn't have any holes in him, and he didn't. Uh, And then 
he just kind of just started wandering around with not really knowing what he was wanting to do. He was smelling a little bit. He would scrape a little bit. He was kind of watching some does that were in the beans. But, you know, he was just, he literally, if you've ever watched a video of guys that are in ranger school or Navy SEAL school, and they're about five, six, seven days in without rest, and they're they're just depleted, and they're completely drained, and they're literally just a sleeping man on his feet. That's what the bucks are like right now. And they're going to start to get a little bit weird. They're going to start to roam and cover a lot of ground. And sometimes they, they're almost like a mountain lion or even a grizzly bear that just starts to range out of their area and they're just sometimes they just go on these walks and they just start walking and they're just trying to smell where a hot doe had crossed and they just go in this mode sometimes you, you know you really have to try hard to get their attention grunting at them several times um horns are questionable right now they may work they may not work but um they haven't been super effective, although I did rattle one buck in yesterday. But that uh, that buck was very hesitant. He looped in a wide circle to come around. So, you know, keep all this in mind. And, uh, you know, you're going to really, you need to just be on a travel corridor right now where high numbers of doe traffic is and deer are walking through because you're just going to get these bucks that are just on, get on a trail and they just start walking and that's going to be your best opportunity. And then after Thanksgiving week is actually one of my favorite weeks for getting back on food sources. So in about 10 days, 10 to 12 days, um, you can actually start to focus more of your hunts here in the Midwest anyway to food sources uh, in the evenings and the bucks are going to really come back to try to start piling on their you know needed body tissue and that's what I'm going to be doing too as soon as soon as Thanksgiving's done I'm going to be doing everything I can to put body tissue back on um, so that's what zombie mode is and really the reason you guys see me hunting um, in these spots that are super thick when you see my social media posts is because I'm in these thick, thick creeks and river bottoms where deer have cover and they're comfortable walking all day. Um, and I see deer throughout the day. So, um, you know, make sure if you're out in the open right now, you know, if you're out in the open, it should be for a purpose, mainly for having a decoy. Um, but if you're not out in the open, you know, getting that thick stuff because they're going to be wandering all through there trying to find a bedded doe that's, that's down somewhere. Um, yeah. So the next question I had here was from Rob Pags 15. He's saying, when do you usually stop rattling all together? Which phase of the rut or do you rattle the entire time and just incorporate different calls along? Um, so yeah, right now I'm rattling, but my rattling is a little bit lighter. Um, you know, the heaviest time was kind of during those last 10 days. Now I'm going to lighten up a little bit. Some of the bucks are going to be really worn down. They're going to be hesitant for an all-out brawl. Uh, so just kind of be mindful of that. And like I said, the buck that I did see, 
Um, he did come to the horns, but he came pretty hesitant and very slow. So when you rattle, make sure this is a mistake that um, when I had Ben with me that he kept that he kept making is you know when I would tell him, "Are you ready?" and I would rattle within a few minutes. If something wasn't coming, he was setting his bow back on the hanger. And when you rattle, you're almost committing to a full 20 minutes of totally paying attention because you don't know how far that deer heard that from. And you also don't know how smart and hesitant that buck is. A lot of deer will come to a point where they can see where they heard that sound and then they're going to stare at that area until um, until they actually confirm that you know there is a deer there or there is not a deer there and then they're going to approach into that area and try to you know move a little bit more and stop and they're going to just look and listen a lot of listening and a lot of looking right now for deer so you really have to focus on uh, being still, you know, right now my lower back and well, mainly my lower back is just killing me. Um, and my legs actually hurt too, just because I'm spending probably at least 10 hours of the day standing with my back to the tree. Um, just because if I'm rattling about every hour, then 20 to 30 minutes of that I'm standing. Um, and then if you have, you know, sporadic times in between where I'm seeing deer and I'm wanting to be ready. Uh, same thing. So, uh, that's what I do and what you need to do. Uh, you know, if you rattle, commit to standing up because if you don't, then you're going to end up getting busted when one comes walking in. Um, next question is from lumberjack275. He's saying, um, do you not worry about the smell of food? Um, out in the woods, I never take lunch or snacks. Well, if you don't take lunch or snacks, then you're committing to probably not being out the whole day. Um, I have to, I have to have, sometimes I have to eat just to pass time and I just weigh it out. The thing is, I don't really feel like I can be a hundred percent scent conscious. Um, you know, I need to be able to have some snacks. I do know deer love peanut butter, so peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I think are kind of the bomb but I also need coffee um, I need soup those two things they're pretty airtight in my yetis but just from my bow being in the back of my truck all the time during this season and you know handling my camera and bringing it in and charging it every night I mean I can't be a hundred percent scent free so I have to just do my best to play the wind. So that kind of ties in to another question that I had here. And that question was specifically about um, how do I go about choosing um, my stand locations? So, you know, I'm actually right now I'm in a, I'm in that dilemma. The first thing that I do whenever I choose my stand locations is I open up my Weather Channel app and I look at the Weather Channel app and I see what the wind's doing. So this morning I'm a little bit perplexed um, because a lot of the spots that I have for this particular wind are probably set 
up a little bit better on feeding sources or they're set up a little bit um, better for me to have a camera person with me and not necessarily be self-filming. Um, but there's, there is, uh, well, actually they just change it. So it's a north, northwest wind switching to north, switching to northeast Jesus, switching to east, switching to east-southeast, then southeast by noon. Holy smokes, <laughs> that is terrible. Um, all right, so in this case, I have, um, I'm literally going to be faced with a wind change um, swinging almost 180 degrees in five hours. So I'm going to try to pick a spot where I can easily slip out and move to a new location without uh, doing something bad to my deer, so to speak. So um, I'm going to have to figure out where that spot is. And that's why I really feel like it's always good for someone to have a spot where you can get to very easily and back out very easily. Um, again, right now the key is a lot of these deer don't have a particular pattern. So just being there is one of the best things you can do. Being there and not getting and playing the wind is the best thing you can do. So that's what I'm going to do. That's why I'm picking my spots. I will tell you that I like thick stuff. I like travel corridors. Um, I like areas where the deer are really f forced with, um, or, the deer feel comfortable moving throughout the entire day. So that's kind of what I'm going with. And uh, yeah, it should be it should be pretty cool. In all fairness, uh, could be a really, really good evening uh, for me. I know the perfect spot to go. So uh, yeah, that's, that's my plan. Um, Let's see. So I'm looking at one of the comments here on my live feed saying we have a lot of wind that's shifting constantly. I use a lot of cover sense. Um, so I'm not, I get asked this question a lot too. I'm not big on cover sense just because there was um, about five or six years where I actually raised deer. When I first started shooting professionally, um, and I was started to do my first writing which was uh, the rookie on tour. And it was pretty much just articles based on what I experienced as a rookie 3D archer. Um, at that time, I was actually raising whitetails and um, just kind of growing whitetails and selling antlers um, to be ground up and selling, selling deer for breeders and things like that. So I did a lot of just testing on how my deer responded to a lot of different products that were on the market and it wasn't really favorable for those products so based on what i learned with deer that i had in captivity um i think i think it's kind of a bit of a waste now there were a few places that had actual extracted deer urine which were pretty good, but what I can tell you about a whitetail is the way that their nose works, their nose has the ability to separate smells. So um, what happens is, you know, if they smell, like for example, if, 
if I walked out with my peanut butter and jelly sandwich, their nose can actually separate those smells of a piece of bread, the peanut butter, and the jelly. Um, so that's kind of... Uh, and then the next question that was asked was, what do I think about Ozonics? Um, I have had good luck with Ozonics, and I have had Ozonics work. Um, I do have some concerns with Ozonics. Um, breathing it, I think, over long periods of time isn't the best. Um, my mom used to work for a really large healthcare company called Baxter. She worked there for a long time until she retired. And Baxter actually um, had ozone machines that would help for sterility. Um, and the ozone machines would be big ones at all the doorways. And they weren't something that you should breathe continually. And they kind of make that warning to you. Um, the other thing, too, is some ozone machines, they will break down your clothes. So you'll notice that your camo fades um, and it'll start to lose color. Uh, you know, and some of your banding or stitching will start to come apart. With that said, it does work if it's used properly because the way the ozone works is it actually wraps itself around a molecule and it contains that molecule so that you're not really you're not you know it's it's like if you have a buddy that wakes up and smells like a long night at the party and he goes in the bathroom and just sprays some axon he just kind of smells like a stinky hobo with some axe on top that's kind of what happens with cover sense too is the other smell is still there. There's just another smell on top of it. Whereas with the ozone and the way that the ozone molecule actually encapsulates that scent molecule, um, I think that it works a little bit different. So um, I think I think if you have had good luck with cover sense, then by all means stay with it. I have not had good luck uh, with cover sense, so. Um, I just play the wind. I do my best to wash. I wash my clothes in completely scent-free detergent that I get at um, Costco. And it's just totally free. doesn't smell anything. Scent-free. And I use the original green uh, Hunter Specialty scent-free soap. I wash in that. And... That's really what I do. Every now and then I'll put my camera gear in uh, one of the Ozonics bags. Whenever I'm um, nose jammer, I've not had good luck with. Um, just got the question about nose jammer. Um, I think one thing with nose jammer, I'll tell you a story. A buddy of mine, Marty, um, in Kansas, was he just drank the Kool-Aid about nose jammer. And he's just, I'm like, well, tell me how it works, dude. And he's like, it just jams them up. I don't know how to tell you. It just jams them up. They just can't smell you. Well, he got to the point where he was using it all the time. And once deer started to bust him using nose jammer, then what happened is deer will quickly start to build association with this smell equals human. No different because it's not out in the woods all the time. 
that smell is there when there's a person there. So when they start to build that association, they're incredibly smart and they will pick up on that association. And then what happens, because nose jammer is so potent, even though it's a vanilla smell, now the deer can smell you further away and you actually have a longer distance of association. And the reason I knew that was because I kind of did my normal thing of what I always do. I went to one of his stands and he gave me a little can and he said, spray it on the tree and like spray it on your feet when you walk in. And, you know, I said, all right. So he, you know, he was swearing by this stuff. So I sprayed it on my feet, walked into my stand, uh, got up in the tree, sprayed some on the tree. First thing I did was as soon as it started to crack light, a deer came in and crossed that trail where I walked. And as soon as it got even close, it turned inside out, freaked out, ran off. Uh, the next, about an hour to two hours later, I had some does. It, the does were across a road in a CRP field that was probably two to 300 yards long. They were actually walking and they hit to the point where I'm like, I bet you they're about downwind to me right now. So I kind of took some of that spray and I sprayed it on my tree again just to see. And those things hit my scent trail with that nose jammer. And I mean, it was the furthest I ever had deer smell me from. So that was it for me. I was done with nose jammer. And the, the guy's a pretty good guy. He's a, a really good friend of a friend of mine. So I hate being honest, but I have to be. Um, so... Just looking through, next question I have here, um, let's see here. Oh, I had a ton of questions because we have, uh, we've got three new shirts we just put online. They may even be sold out by now. Um, I know that last night when Sharon and I went to bed, there was less than, less than 20 left in the sizes. Um, so they may even be sold out, but there was a brand new Old Glory, which is a knock-on flag, a weathered knock-on flag printed on a gray and dark gray thermal. That's what I'm wearing right now, a uh, long sleeve, a uh, really cool shirt and has, you know, the knock-on nation slash American flag look across the front. Um, and then there's also a new, then we made that same style, but on a black UA shirt. And all, all three of these are on Under Armour shirts. Um, so then the next one is a brand new shirt that's one of my favorites. It's uh, Knock Paper Scissors. And uh, anyway, those three shirts hit the web store last night and they're almost sold out. But the amount of people that started saying like, must be nice. You never shipped to Canada or whatever. So Bruno underscore FB416 was saying, I was just putting in a big order to find out you don't uh, send to Canada. Talk about disappointed. We send to Canada every day. We send globally every single day. But what you have to do is you have to go and send an email to info at knockonarchery.com. That email is going to go to Sharon and she's going to be able to look at what you want to order and then she has to manually enter in the weight and size dimensions so that we can give you an accurate shipping quote and then as soon as you say yes i'm fine with that shipping price um, which we just pass the exact price on to you 
then she creates a PayPal invoice for you. You pay it, and it's on the way. Uh, most orders ship in 24 hours. So that's all you have to do if you're from Canada or anywhere else uh, in the world. So uh, next question here is from FlyFan83 saying, how do you get your lone wolf tree stand to hang on a tree uh, big enough to cover your frame. So if you're having to hang your lone wolves on a really, really big tree, um, then they actually make an extension for, uh, for their straps. It's about a two foot or three foot piece that hooks on the stand and then you inner loop it to the normal strap that's on there and then you use it the normal way. I always... Uh, when I'm on the road, I have a tub that has four of the extensions in it so that I can cover myself for two stands uh, to be able to get in, like, say, a big cottonwood tree or something like that. Um, yeah, so this uh, one of the questions, Biblical Bowhunter was just asking, um, how do I pick my spots? What makes you say, yep, this is it? Um, so... That's pretty much what I was telling you earlier is most importantly is you have to look at the wind and make make a decision on that. Um, so uh, if you're not playing the wind, then you're kind of playing it. You're, you're rolling the dice too much for my liking, so to speak. So um, let's see here. I'm looking. I'm going to read one more question. Um, so... Uh, Let's see, Pomatoni is asking, I'm trying to speed up to about 285 feet per second. Do you think 450 grains uh, for my arrow is kind of light? So for the longest time, Ulmer shot a 420 grain arrow and he really liked it. He shot an ACC that was 420 grains. And I've shot in that 420 grain range for quite a while too. What I will tell you is if you have a lighter arrow like that and you're focused on speed, I would question what is the speed doing for you. If you're going to be shooting at 35 yards or less, then speed can have some advantage. But when you're talking, if you're trying to make this choice based on 6 or 7 or 8 feet per second, then there's going to be an issue there. Um, because that amount of speed isn't enough to really benefit you in what, you know, what you're trying to accomplish. Now, if you're in the 275 range and you're wanting to get in a bow that's shooting well over 300 or 305, 310, that's a big enough jump to where you're going to see your pin gap change. But from 20 to 30 to 40 yards, your pin gap difference between a bow that's shooting in the mid 270s and a bow that's shooting in the mid 280s is going to be pretty dang minimal, probably more minimal than you can than you can uh, shoot. And if you have any of those scales, then all you have to do is look. If you've ever seen the pre-printed scales, um, look at a sight calibration scale between 277 and one that's like 285. You're talking. Um, maybe a few sixteenths of an inch difference, and that's between the 20 to 100. So your shorter range, you're really not going to be benefiting that much. However, if you really do want to shoot that speed, then my next recommendation to you is simply going to be to make sure that you... 
Um, choose a broad broadhead that has a little bit better penetration factor. So, you know, like a muzzy trocar, something that cuts really quick, um, has a fairly compact head design, uh, cuts quick. The other one would be like if you liked a mechanical head, shoot a Rage Plus P instead of like a full-blown tripan or, or a two-inch hypodermic because the blade angle is laid back more so that it's a little bit better for penetration and with that lighter overall arrow weight you're going to have uh, much better luck. So let's see here. Uh, with that said, uh, what... I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to make this one of my shorter podcasts and check out of here because it's exactly 5.06 and I need to get rolling so I can get in my tree and uh, see if I can get this last tag filled today if if I see the right buck. So uh, appreciate you tuning in. I'll have some more podcasts coming. Also, I want to give you just a quick little rundown. Um I've actually got one of my good buddies coming in here Friday, um, so we are going to be doing several live feeds over the next week, so uh, make sure you tune in to that. Um, I'm hoping my target bow gets here from Hoyt so I can do a target bow build and also start to get my indoor setup rolling, um, so if you're into indoor target archery, then I'll be able to start doing that. Otherwise, I'm going to do a breakdown and a rebuild on my original RX-1 just so that some of you can see that as well. So appreciate it, and uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com.